In this episode of Life Repurpose, we talk about the Apostle Paul's before and after story and what it means to be transformed. I love the phrase that he uses in several places in the New Testament, I used to. This is an episode about being repurposed, about being able to say, I used to be this way and I'm no longer this way anymore. So if you're looking for transformation and repurposing in your life, come on in. This is episode number 176. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. Have you ever faced life's curveballs and felt you were in pieces? There's no need to be a Bible expert. This book meets you right where you are. So what's inside? Over six weeks, you'll dig into the Apostle Paul's story and his timeless letters, no fancy degree required. You'll explore thought-provoking questions and reflections, and go a little further with micro-studies throughout the week. Renewed is like a roadmap to rediscovery, renewal, and the kind of joy that sneaks up on you in the midst of life's messiness. It's like catching up with a friend who's been through it and wants to share their hard-earned wisdom. Themes such as redeem, restart, repurpose, revive, rejoice, and repeat light the way, showing you how to find beauty in the cracks and grace in the chaos. It's sprinkled with humor, relatable examples, and a healthy dose of soul-searching, and this book is your partner in spiritual growth. Whether you're flying solo or diving in with a group, Renewed has you covered. And don't worry, I left plenty of space for your notes, scribbles, and doodles. Ready to take a journey toward renewal, hope, and some serious soul-soothing? Grab your copy of Renewed, then get comfy, and let's dig in. One way that you can help support this show is by purchasing Bible studies like that for yourself or for your small group, or for helping me spread the word about that and telling other people who are looking for Bible studies for their small group. So thank you so much for allowing me to have that little moment of sponsorship there, because that's how I produce this show is through the other work that I do. All right, let's get going here. This is a continuation from last week, and it is part three of four in the Remade Message series. So we're about to jump into the audio, and I want to thank you for being part of this series. It has been fun for me to be able to bring you a little sneak peek into a speaking event, so I hope you've enjoyed it. I know that the audio quality has not been as high as I'm usually preferring for my standards on the podcast. That's because I wore a microphone and tucked my phone in my pocket while I was speaking. So thank you so much for bearing with me on the audio quality for some of these. All right, here is session three. Anyone here a Pinterest fan? Like Pinterest junkie? Would anyone describe themselves as a Pinterest junkie? Do you pin a whole bunch of stuff that you never come back to? (laughs) Yeah, I have so many boards on Pinterest and so many things I could never implement in my real life. But one of the things I mentioned in another session that I love is before and after pictures. 
So I especially like to pin ideas of how somebody has transformed something, somebody that is a before and after. And I also love home and garden TV. Anyone else love HGTV? <laughs> it's like I can just zone out if I want to watch a quick episode during my lunch break, or sometimes it's just when I, I need to check emails, so I'm going to pop on a decorating show. And I got kind of interested in one because my grandmother was from Detroit originally. And I went on to MapQuest because I had this idea that there's this fiction book idea that's brewing in my mind always to take the letters from my grandpa and grandma and turn them into something. So I thought it would be lovely to go back to Detroit and to look at the house she grew up in and explore the neighborhood. And so I went on Google Maps because I thought I could see what it looks like from the street right now. And I got on there and it's an empty lot. There are so many houses that they've, whole neighborhoods on the east side of Detroit that they've just torn down the houses. But then my sister told me about this home and garden TV show where these guys were buying up the worst houses on the block. I mean, they look hopeless to me, absolutely hopeless. And they're fixing them up and turning them into beautiful homes for people to live in. And so it gave me hope, even though I can't go back to see my grandma's house, gave me hope that Detroit isn't just disappearing forever. But I love the before and afters of those too, because I look at them and I'm just thinking, there's no way that somebody could turn that rotten roof and that floor with the holes in it into something beautiful, and yet they do. Maybe you've thought, I'm a hopeless cause. I'm the worst person on the block. Well, the hope that we have is that Jesus sees no worst person on the block, Then, in his eyes we are all the same. And so we're going to be thinking about before and afters tonight. And there's another kind of before and after that I think about. There's before and after photos of people. I think there's got to be someone out there who gets paid to take those photos. You know, when you do senior pictures, I know there's some photographers here. I know I've met a few photographers here. When you take a photo, you have someone pose in a certain way, right? You get it just right. What about those before and after ones, the before pictures? Okay, we're going to take your before picture out. Now, stand there. Get that smile off your face. Nope, you don't look enough like a linebacker. Get the right pose. And then the after one. Nope, suck it in. Nope, turn to the side. Don't they look awkward? <laughs> Those before and after pictures don't always represent reality. They are crafted in such a way to make the reality look even different. And maybe in our Christian lives, we craft the after so that people don't have to see what's really going on inside. Well, sometimes people can't help but know that something has happened and something is going on inside. And so tonight we're going to be looking at Paul's or Saul's after story. And there's no hiding that there was a drastic change in him. He had a restart, as we talked about this morning. He went into a different direction, and he went from being murderer to minister. And so we're going to look at the after story of Paul. Now, you know that if you've read any of the New Testament, you've read from one of the 13 books that he has written in the New Testament and those letters that we have there. And I sat in here in the chapel this morning when we had our, our quiet time and just read through a couple of those letters, and it's such a beautiful reminder. When you leave here, I encourage you when you go home to read some of Paul's letters in light of what you've learned about Paul here. And you know that that after is what that those letters came out of. When something is repurposed 
it's transformed. It's no longer what it was. When I take something and turn it into something else, it is not what it once was. When I took the wheelbarrow in front of my house and I turned it into a flower planter, it is no longer, well, the wheel was broken when I took it. It's never gonna haul rocks around the yard ever again. It has been transformed into a new thing. It is now something to hold flowers. And when something is repurposed, which is our RE word for tonight, it is also transformed. We just sang that in a song about transformation. And transformation means we don't look like the thing before. So if you've ever seen those ambush makeovers on the Today Show where they grab somebody on the plaza and they take them back somewhere behind the scenes, they go shopping with them, they change their hair, and then they put the before and after picture on TV. And what would happen if we knocked on their door 30 days later? <laughs> They're wearing their sweats. They don't know how to style their hair because I don't know how you hairstylists do it, Kim. I don't know how you do it, but somehow you, there you are. You do stuff to our hair that we can't replicate at home somehow. And so that transformation is a one day thing. It's not a transformation. They've just had a little simple makeover. And so we're talking about transformation from the inside out, where it's not just a superficial thing that we put on. We're talking about something that we never go back on and become the same person. And those houses that I talked about in Detroit, once those are transformed into a livable space, they're not, well, over time, maybe that's, okay, Michelle, your illustration just fell apart there. <laughs> over time, maybe they would change, but they're not going back to the rubble that they once were. So as we continue the story of Saul, he had one of the most dramatic changes of all time. And this morning I was reading to you from Acts 9. We're going to look at another one of his testimonies tonight. In this one, um, he talks about his Jewish upbringing, which I kind of hinted at this morning a little bit. He grew up in Tarsus, and this is in so uh, southern Turkey. Has anyone traveled to Turkey? I've wanted to do that someday. It was a, a few years back where we were thinking about it, and then there was too much unrest, and we weren't able to go visit missionary friends there. But I would love to go to Turkey and walk in some of the, go to some of the places that Paul had been, because it's hard for us to visualize, but it's on the Mediterranean Sea coast. And when we think about Paul in the, when he talks about having Jewish heritage and also having a Roman citizenship, um, the simplest way I can explain it is sort of like when your parents are missionaries and you're born in another country and you have American citizenship because you're born to American parents, but if I were born in Mexico, I would also have Mexican citizenship. So it's possible for Paul to have the dual citizenship, and he talks about that. And then he was educated as a Pharisee and proud of that Jewish heritage. And I have a verse here that's not on the screen, but here's what Paul said in Philippians 3, verses 5 and 6. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So we talked about this morning how Paul's method of honoring God was persecuting people. That sounds, that sounds backwards when I actually say it out loud. But let's look at the dramatic change that he had. 
So we're going to go to Acts again, but this time we're going to be looking at Acts 26. And in this one, Paul's telling his story to King Agrippa. So picking up in Acts 26, verse 9. And I love the first phrase, the opening phrase, I used to. Because this is who Paul used to be. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the name, the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests, about noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you, to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future, and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. The beautiful part of Paul's story is that we're there too. We are among the Gentiles who generations later have hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus stopped Paul on the road and gave him a mission not only to Jewish people, but also to Gentiles. And he was essentially saying, this message of the gospel is for all people. So we read in that other account that there were men who were with Saul. And he kind of mentions it there. He went and remained in the city that um, God sent him to. And he was blind for several days. And then the Lord sent a man named Ananias to Paul to heal him. And I want you to imagine how you might feel if you were this man. In going, Jumping now back to Acts 9, where we were this morning, and picking up with verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. And here's the part where I can relate to Ananias. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Imagine being Ananias 
And God says, you're going to go to the most dangerous person right now. And you are going to talk to him because he's a believer. But Lord, maybe God has sent you to be a compassionate person in somebody's life. And you said, but Lord, that person, you're sending me to that person? The really cool thing about Paul is that his change was immediate. For some of us, it's really gradual. Like over time, you know, just change a little bit. And if somebody saw me 10 years later, they might think, wow, you have really changed that. Your personality has changed. But for Paul, it was immediate. And as soon as he regained his sight, he wanted to be baptized. And this was a symbol of how Jesus had changed him and made him a new person. And he wanted to be baptized, showing that dramatic makeover. So now imagine if you were someone who knew Paul before, who knew him as Saul, not just but other people who had heard of him. Now imagine if you met up with him somewhere and this guy suddenly showed up at your church. This guy was so against the church, now suddenly wants to worship with you. What would you think? Would you think he was the real deal? Sometimes I get to, I'm a little skeptical. I think, oh yeah, they're going to go back to the way they were. You know how it is. We do that with how, you know, I would skip chocolate for a week. And then after about a week, I'm back to eating chocolate. And so if I do that in that area of my life, you know, how do I know if somebody's spiritual transformation is real? So imagine being one of those believers and Saul walks into your midst. Paul's story really gives us hope, all of us, because if he can have that kind of dramatic change, then we can as well. And so there are three things that we can remember from the transformation. Paul had called himself later the least of all the apostles, and he said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But the first thing we can learn from him is that our before becomes evidence of God's power. You see, our before, when people know who we once were before we knew Jesus, it's just evidence of God's power. Because when somebody meets us and says, there is no way that you could be the same person that I knew before, then that points somebody to God. And we say, only God, only God can fix up the things that are happening in our lives. And so Paul never forgot his before story. He talked about it often. In the letters he wrote, he talked about it with so much gratitude. Imagine how it felt for God to, to grab a hold of him there on that road and then for him to be thinking of, why me, God? Why did you pick me? In 1 Timothy, in one of his letters, he talks about that gratitude. 1 Timothy 1, starting at verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to, there's that used to again, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience, even with the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too 
can believe in him and receive eternal life. This right here is why I study chunks of scripture. Because I've heard that one, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners many times. There's a lot of hope in that one verse. But then when I read the before and after that Paul talks about, now all of a sudden it comes to life and I see scripture in a whole new way because he didn't stop talking about who he was and he didn't lose the gratitude for what God had done in his life. And now when I look at the bigger picture, that bigger chunk of scripture, I really see what God wants to do in me as well. And so that's why I, I, I put up big chunks. Some of you are probably like, wow, she reads a lot to us. It's because that's how I study the word. I really want to see it in the bigger picture. And at the end of that passage, we see what his new purpose was. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So his before and after was for nothing but bringing God glory so that God could continue repurposing in other people. God has considered you trustworthy and appointed you to share the gospel as well in your own story, whatever that story is, so that other people can also say, glory to God, he can change people. The second thing that we can remember about our transformation is that our after should look like Jesus. If we're not modeling that after, after Jesus, after, after, if we don't look like Jesus, then the transformation is not there yet. It has to be a change from the inside out. I don't know, anyone grow up listening to Christian radio and hearing uh, on a Sunday evening, the organ would play, unshackled. As a child, I loved those stories. The organ would come out. Maybe riding home from church sometimes because my family went to church on Sunday nights too. Anyone do Sundays, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and and others in between. <laughs> and so that was that was the family I grew up in, and my parents loved playing Christian radio. And so I'd hear those stories of Unshackled, and I'd think, "Wow, those people really changed a lot." And like I was saying this morning. We all have a before and after story. It's not just the people that were unshackled from, from drugs or coming off the street. All of us have a need to be transformed because all of us, like Saul, have some sort of spiritual blindness. And so God used physical blindness for Saul to wake him up. He had to close his eyes and take away that ability to physically see so that he could wake up and be ready to be a minister of the gospel. As God unveils something new, and we apply that new thing, and then he unveils something new, and we apply that new thing, and the Holy Spirit keeps tapping us on the shoulder, that's when the transformation happens. So please don't be discouraged if your progress is not as drastic as Saul's, or if it's not as drastic or dramatic as the ones that you hear on the radio. As God transforms the way you think, it will change the way you act. And in Romans 12, Paul talks about that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our first step is surrender. And as you discover his will and you take next steps, then we see the third thing, and that is that we are a work in progress. Sometimes we think we've arrived, right? <laughs> when I was 20, I thought I had arrived. <laughs> and told you that story this morning. When we bought our house that we live in here in New Auburn 18 years ago, it needed some stuff. It was inhabitable, but yet some parts of it weren't so great. And so we put new flooring in, we painted walls, we put new carpet in, we did all the things that you do to remodel. And then what happened after living there 18 years? Guess what we've been doing in the last two years? I realized that the flooring that was new in my mind was no longer new and that carpet looked horrible and it needed something. You see, there's this ongoing process of keeping something up. And that's what I think the renewal of our minds that Paul is talking about here. It's that I never get to a place where I'm like, I remodeled it and I'm done. It's that God keeps on renewing, remodeling, and changing our minds. And not changing our minds in that way of like walking away from faith, but just that he keeps opening our eyes to something like he did with Paul. Paul knew it so well. And he wrote a letter to the Philippians. And as I think about wrapping up tonight, I'm going to have Amy and Barb start to come up here. They're going to be singing, like I said, a song with us. And I want to read to you from Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. These are the words of Paul. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. He will continue his work in you, bringing you to completion. Our love will continue to grow and grow and grow as we're transformed and as we're filled by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It becomes evident in our lives and it becomes a place where Christ is magnified in us and it's not us magnifying ourselves. It's that his glory is magnified in us. And so if we think of those words there in Philippians and we turn them into a prayer, we can say those same words. We pray that our love will overflow more and more and that we will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. We can say, Lord, help us understand what really matters so we may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May we always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in our lives by Jesus Christ. We want to bring glory and praise to you as you recreate us in your image. And so let's make this song our closing.
If you're curious about what song we closed with there, it was Christ Be Magnified. And if you'd like to listen to that song, I will make sure that in the show notes, I link to the song on YouTube with the original artist. You'll find that at michellerayburn.com slash 176 with all the other resources, the notes that go along with this episode. But as we wrap up, I just want to recap the three things that I said there in that message. Number one, our before becomes evidence of God's power. Number two, our after should look like Jesus. And number three, we are a work in progress. I know I am a work in progress and you are too. And so as we go about thinking about how do we apply what we see in the life of the Apostle Paul, we think about the reassurance that we are a work in progress and God is always at work in us. And I don't know about you, but I really find some comfort in that and knowing that I don't have to be perfect in order to be repurposed for God's glory. I hope you come back next week for the final and fourth session from this message series. And um, that will be another RE word. So I will see you next week and I hope you have a great week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com 